This is the Pause and Reflect podcast with Haley, Sean, and Scout. And we have our old foster dog, Mystic, back in the house. We sure do. (laughs) She might make herself known at any point in a raucous fashion. Yeah, hopefully we can get through a recording with her being pretty chill over there in that crate. Some hard one calm crate time is currently happening. Crossing my fingers, that continues. Even, you know, just for a half hour would be a big win, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, so we picked her up basically four or five days ago. Yeah, Monday morning. Yeah, and she has a broken leg and is still a puppy. And not potty trained. Yep. Is dirty in her crate, does not mind using the bathroom where she sleeps, and in fact does not mind using the bathroom and then sort of rolling, walking, lying, getting covered in it. Does not mind going outside to use the bathroom, not using the bathroom four times, and then coming inside to use the bathroom. Yep. So. No sense of (laughs) self-preservation. And also the sweetest, biggest heart in the world. She is such a good dog. I mean, she's been so social with us. She's so accepting of our handling. Like, she's got tons and tons and tons of good going for her. It is just definitely a very challenging mix of all of these things. Yeah. She is lucky. She's so sweet. (laughs) It sure makes up for it anyways. It sure does. We've had plenty of really nice you know, sweet affection, sort of snuggly moments with her too, which I think has helped. Um, But yeah, it's been a lot. It has been a lot, a lot. And I've been sharing about it a little bit more on our Instagram. And I thought it would be nice to just sort of talk it out a little, verbalize it. Some of these things are easier to express verbally than in writing, actually get, you know, the tone across a little bit better. Um, Mystic was one of our first foster puppies back in July. We had her and her brother Arlo, and they were our first experience with baby fosters. We had only had one foster before that, who ironically was also a crate rest foster with a broken leg. We've kind of come full circle there. Um, So I was really devastated when the shelter reached out and said that Mystic had been found as a stray. Her doctors did not want her anymore. She had a broken leg, they assumed, from a car accident. Sounds like we don't know the whole story. Might not get to know the whole story. Um, but emotionally that was really difficult for me, you know, just even before we brought her into our house, like just knowing that this baby dog who I fell in love with and tried to set up for success, you know, she was supposed to go to a forever home. This wasn't supposed to happen to her. And that makes me very, very sad. And then we were hopeful that there were better foster fits out there. Um, you know, someone who has no other pets in the home, someone who's always home, really quiet environment where she could heal but nothing panned out so once my baby dog always my baby dog we went and got her i i have no regrets i'm happy we got her i'm happy we're helping her but holy cow sean it's been a week yeah it's been non-stop dealing with more difficulties but uh i think we're starting to get on top of it it definitely was a, a shock at first and I think we knew that we didn't know exactly what it was going to be like, and there's always a little bit more to uncover with a foster dog fresh out of the shelter than you necessarily get with their intro package. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I felt prepared in a lot of ways, and you know, logistically, I, I do think we're prepared. We have the house set up for it. We have all of the resources and access to any of the resources we need. Um, we have the emotional intelligence and strength in our own relationship and relationship with Scout to get through it. Something I want to talk about a little bit more later in this episode. But but at the same time that, like, you know, logically, I knew we were prepared and I knew we could handle it. Yeah, Monday was rough. I mean, like, I called you at the end of your work day in tears on Monday. I was like, when are you coming home? <laughs> like, I can't handle this. And, and, you know, of course, I technically could handle it. I did handle it. I got the poop cleaned up out of the crate. You know, I did all of the things that needed to be done. Um, but gosh, it was tough. She's such a sweetheart, and that just breaks my heart more. But she just is an escape artist and crazy, thankfully... On Tuesday, I had reached out to the shelter. You know, that was our second full day with her, essentially. 
And I reached out and I said, um, can you help us with the splint? She keeps getting the splint off. She's gotten her cone off. She's, you know, all of these things have happened. And so I had an appointment scheduled for Wednesday morning. And then Wednesday morning, before that appointment, she escaped her crate fully and greeted Scout and I at the door, got her cone off to escape the crate. It was, it was just perfect timing like that. I already had that appointment scheduled <laughs> and I got to take her in and they were so great to us, gave us a better fitting splint, gave us a mild sedative to try to help her calm down. Sometimes it's been working really well and I've been definitely noticing that she is slightly sedated compared to the first days. In other moments, she's just still a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's quickly racking up a streak of hilarious and preposterous stories. Indeed. <laughs> At least the next day, maybe the day of, it's like, man, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and I think laughing about it is really good, and that's something I've been trying to remember to do more. Because um, there was part of me when we first brought her home, and you know. We picked her up after we dropped your brother off at the airport. We were already coming off of a pretty busy weekend. Picked her up right on the way home. You helped get a few initial things settled. You went off to work. You know, you actually work in a real office. And holy cow, that first bit of time was just really overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. I had a a bit of a crisis of confidence as a self-proclaimed dog person where I was like, do I actually know what I'm doing like am I actually capable of this I really thought we were prepared like I really really thought we had this under control we've had a crate rest foster before who was you know also pretty energetic we've had baby puppies before <laughs> yeah maniac baby puppies maniac baby puppies <laughs> throw themselves up anything yeah mystic was one of those maniac <laughs> baby puppies so we probably should have registered that at seven months she wouldn't necessarily be calmer um And I spend so much time in the dog space, you know, like, it's not like I was naive. It's not like I was going into this thinking it would be rainbows and butterflies, but I don't know if I was prepared for it to be as hard as it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you obviously care a lot about treating the fosters really well and go above and beyond putting attention and care into them. And that definitely quickly adds up both on time and emotional energy to almost start to be all consuming. And, you know, you, you probably don't exactly expect everything that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have a couple extra crazy things happen a day and it starts to feel like, wow, this is fun. Heck of a day. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Absolutely. I can't remember which day it was when you got home from work and I looked at you and I was like, can, can you do dog duty for five minutes? I just want to rinse off. Like I just want to shower. just want a little bit of me only time. And, and it's gotten a lot better. I mean, like the fact that we're sitting here on the couch right now, scout is side flopped on the floor. Mystic is side flopped in her crate. Like clearly things are fine. We're doing it. But earlier this week, I had to really sit with those emotions and accept that it's okay that things are really, really hard. I was getting all in my head. I was getting all insecure. I was feeling emotionally overwhelmed. I was feeling mentally overwhelmed. I was, you know, a little bit sleep deprived because this poor broken legged dog of ours cannot sleep through the night in her crate. And because of the potty training things, it's not a situation where I feel very comfortable just fully ignoring the whining or barking every time and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 all of these variables at play. And I kind of really just had to accept that it's okay if sometimes things suck. Like we chose this, we signed up for it and I'm happy that we're helping her, but it's also okay to just be like, yeah, this is really hard. I'm not a bad person because I'm admitting it's hard. We're not incompetent because we're admitting it's hard. But holy hell, I need to like show everybody a little bit of grace and just accept that this is not an ideal situation for anyone. That sounds really dark, but like I had to sit in that place for a while because I kept feeling like it should be easier and I should be doing better and it shouldn't be this hard. And if I was just a better dog handler, it would be, you know, totally fine. And that is just obviously not how things actually play out in the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even from the shelter's perspective, they probably, you know, see a lot of crazy things happening in a day and 
you know, they're much more used to dealing with some of the more extreme behaviors and it can be surprising, you know, when you see it, but then it also can just be tough to like, you know, want to be, you know, very precise and clean and like hit your rhythm right away with this new dog. But you know, most likely, even if you really know what you're doing, it could easily be a couple days of chaos until you start to understand like how to click and how to work it all into your schedule and the whole thing. And even if you really sit down and think about that beforehand, I mean, I certainly have experienced it with the fosters that I'm getting better and better at it, but you know, it's like the dog's going to have some quirks and you're only going to find them once they show up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah, just lots of lots of emotions, lots of processing. And again, like Mystic is so sweet. I'm really, really pleased that we have her. I, I see so much good in her. It's just been a lot. I think it kind of connects to some of the conversations we've had previously about having really high standards for Scout. As someone who's invested in the dog community, particularly the training sphere of the dog community. Mm-hmm. It's easy to feel like there's a lot of pressure sometimes, and I do have high standards for both how I interact with the animals in my care and the skills that I help those animals develop. Like, those are important things for me. My ideal foster situation is what I like to think that we've done with our past fosters, where we're helping to build foundational skills and we're working through things and we're making these animals more adoptable than they were mm-hmm. when they came to us. And I think that there can also be some shame... A lot of this was self-imposed. Some of it, you know, I share pretty transparently. I I sure try to. And I think that maybe there were a few things that I could have waited and processed better on my own emotionally before sharing. Because there were a handful of comments from strangers over the past week that, like, definitely hit a little harder than they should. But long story short, there can just be some shame wrapped up in it where it's like, you know, even a dog escaping a crate. Like, I know that wire crates can be escaped like i've absolutely been exposed to dogs escaping in those situations before i really did not think that she could get the cone off and all of these things and like all of these variables adding up um so yeah just kind of like a huge cluster i feel like i'm not even speaking very coherently about it that probably (laughs) illustrates the sort of mess of emotions and thoughts that i've had where it's a balance of i want to do really 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 well for all of the creatures in our care it's important to me that i hold myself and my dogs to a high standard but i can't hold myself to an impossibly high standard where i'm expecting that like we're going to have a seven-month-old puppy with a broken leg and nothing's going to go wrong like at a certain point some things happen that just really aren't anyone's fault Mm -hmm. and blame is not productive and yeah and mr cure is getting wonderful care and you know, safety and security and emotional and social bonding. And those are just like a lot of immeasurable things too, where there's a lot of like shallow but measurable standards or metrics that you might see, like your dog shouldn't poop in their crate. It's like, yeah, I'd like it if she didn't poop in her crate. But also at the end of the day, I'd much prefer that we're providing an environment for her to heal and become more confident and all those immeasurable things. Whereas like, if she poops in her crate once in a while or does a number of these, like, you know, like it makes a better post on Instagram to say your dog's bad if, you know, (laughs) they do this without being like, you know, how can we construct some complicated way of measuring, you know, how good overall your dog's actually doing. It's like you can't just go through your checklist of the wrong things. Yeah. Even like the fact that we've been sleeping in separate beds so that one of us can sleep with Mystic because that's the only way that she will sleep through the night. That was something that I had some of my own internalized shame wrapped up in and then Mm -hmm. like some of these voices in the training community where there's a decent portion of the dog training community who for them that would be a huge Mm no-no. But very much in our situation, it just comes down to the fact that Mystic needs rest to heal. You and I need rest to take care of Mystic and Scout and Scout needs rest to continue handling Mystic as well as she's been doing. And if sleeping next to one of us is the only way that that puppy is going to sleep through the night and feel secure and safe enough to sleep through the night, of course we're going to be working on crate foundational skills. We're going to be doing 
everything we can in the meantime. I mean, she's in her crate right now. Like, it's not like that's something that we gave up on and said we're never going to work on. But yeah, I, I feel very relieved. I feel kind of liberated since I just accepted, like, there's nothing wrong with one of us just sleeping in the bed with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's comfier than sleeping on the floor next to her. <laughs> and if that's how she's going to get rest and enable the rest of us to all recharge the way that we need to. Um, it's yeah. working out. Yeah. It is. It's and fine. We're... Then we keep track of it, too. Like, she does great sleeping in the guest room with me. And... You know, like if there was a problem or something, or if I felt like she was getting weird about it or something, then like For obviously sure. we'd adjust. But like she's doing great in there. It's letting us sleep. And then we're also still aggressively practicing time in the crate. So like just forcing her to be in the crate and howling her head off is not going to make progress any faster. No, I'd argue that it's, you know, in this specific scenario, that strikes me as quite an unkind thing to do especially given i think that the meds have affected her stomach a little bit here and there it's not her fault that she's not fully potty trained like these are things that none of this is mystic's fault right and so i want to be as kind to her as possible and help make this period of her life suck as little as possible because it sucks like she's in pain Mm -hmm. she hurts she has a broken leg she has all of this energy she's a baby there's no way around the fact that it sucks some, but I want to make it suck as little as I can while also trying to give her skills for the future so that once she does heal, you know, hopefully she is on track to be successful. I feel like this is a great time for me to circle back to one of my favorite mantras of all time ever, which is, you know, that it always really comes down to the individual dog, the individual handler lifestyle situation, like the right choice for a foster dog coming to us with a different set of circumstances might look different and has looked different. Like all of our fosters, we've followed slightly different protocols for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot better about all of this today talking about it. Definitely just like the past few days have been a lot of really intense emotions for me Mm -hmm. and a lot of ups and downs and I could not be more thankful for you and for Scout and the trust that I feel like I have with both of you because, holy cow, like, if our relationship was not secure, Sean, if, if we had some cracks in it already, we I'm pretty... We might have been throwing poop at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, fostering Mystic could have turned those cracks into massive chasms. It's been a lot. I think that goes for any big potentially you know mm. stressful life event um i was joking that have you ever heard someone say that the test of a relationship is like building furniture together or like mm. assembling yeah. things like that sure. yeah i would propose that my test is mm. fostering the not potty trained seven month old puppy on the mandated crate rest <laughs> yeah yeah well we should probably take a victory lap here with scout for a second because she has been doing so awesome she's like made such huge progress over just what four foster experiences yeah to the point where she's just so much more comfortable with another dog in the house and like gets so much less stressed out and the whole thing she gets she's great yeah i'm so proud of her i'm beside myself proud of her and a little bit in awe because i think mystic has objectively been the most challenging for all of us, like in terms of sensory overload and like being loud in the crate and putting pressure on Scout and those sorts of things, I would argue that Mystic's probably been the toughest and Scout is doing the best. Let me keep earplugs for fantastic. dogs. I think Scout needs a pair of earplugs. I do think Scout could use a pair of earplugs. <laughs> she handles herself so well, but when Mystic's howling in the crate, she just looks at us sometimes. Like, turn it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think that that that's been something I've just been thanking her for over and over and over this week because if Scout was as stressed with Mystic as she was when we had our very first foster Val and Mystic was as chaotic and intense as she is like that might have really put me over the Mm -hmm. edge like I teetered on the edge off and on this week already but Scout added almost nothing to my stress levels like scout never made me feel more stressed 
in an acute sense. There's the underlying stress of, I also have to make sure that I'm being fair to her. It's not just about mystic, like, I need to take care of my resident dog. I have a responsibility to her. Of course, that weighs on me a little anytime we have another animal in the house. But at no point has Scout made me feel like, you know, oh, I'm extra worried. I'm extra on edge. I mean, Mystic greeted us at the door when she escaped her crate and we came back from buying shoes at the pet store. And she just, yeah, I love Scout. But also, Sean, I love you. And Scout's progress would not be possible if it weren't for the foundation of our relationship and the work that we've done together. Mm-hmm. Her getting more comfortable with fosters in general, you know, wouldn't be a thing if we hadn't fostered together. And you've been such a huge part of that. And I would have been ruined this week without you. Like, I like to think <laughs> I'm a pretty independent, strong person. I'm pretty good with the dog stuff. But oh my goodness. Like, I I just, I physically and emotionally do not think I could have handled the past week without without you. Or if I did have you, but you were, like, less supportive, or if we were being passive-aggressive with each other or anything like that, it would have just, it would have just ruined me. Like, Mystic's been taking up all of the extra capacity that I have, Mm -hmm. and I feel really lucky that, you know, my two permanent creatures have been giving me more capacity, not taking it away. Yeah, we've talked about this before, that it it really puts a strain on things, um, more in the sense that it just really shakes up our schedule and we don't get the same sorts of time for interactions or relaxing or, like, it just mm, completely shifts a lot of the dynamics in the day that we're used to and the ways that we're used to connecting and we sort of have to be like on top of that at the same time as we're running around doing extra things and extra tired, which is always harder, you know. I feel like we're usually pretty darn good at that, but that's usually when we have a lot of extra bandwidth. We can, you know, be adjusting better to where we're slacking in our relationship. But I think we definitely both feel it the most when we have a foster in the house. Absolutely. Yeah, we generally live a pretty quiet, you know, life feels relatively seamless. We get a lot of time to just be together as a family. Scout very rarely adds any sort of stress to our relationship anymore at this point. And so it just totally changes everything up when we have a foster. But kind of like what you said, like it's more important than ever that we are aligned and on the same page and communicating well with each other when we have a foster. Like, that becomes higher stakes than it ever usually is, but it's also harder to do because of all the things you mentioned. And then also, like, I will add the, like, the noise itself. I'm so thrilled with Mystic for being quiet so far. I think we're, like, 20-some minutes into this, and she's still killing it. So thank you, Trazodone. Thank you, Choose. Thank you, Mystic, being a good girl who's trying her best. Um, Like, also, that is tough. Like, some of the times when it's, you know, we've, met everyone's basic needs we've put everyone away we're trying to have a little bit of time just the two of us and then there's like the howling and the barking it can even just affect you know my ability to feel like i can have a conversation with you Mm -hmm. and all of these things it adds up like when we got home from the beach yesterday we had taken just a short trip you know just a humans only trip to try to have a little reprieve in the day and we came home and mystic was covered in literal dog shit and the crate and the blankets and everything. I don't know if I've ever been more proud of us as a couple. <laughs> like that was such a not ideal situation and we handled it so well. Like neither of us got remotely frustrated with each other. We just tag teamed it. We, we divided and conquered. I felt awesome after that. Like it sucked, but I felt so good and we were even like laughing and making jokes about it it felt too good to be real and it's not it's not always like that you know earlier in the week there definitely have been moments of tension off and on i don't want to misrepresent that it's always perfect but like well that can be your high point of our relationship but i don't know (laughs) if it's making it into the wedding anniversary speech for me (laughs) yeah we've had lots of high points i guess that just but you're right it does illustrate that yeah even uh, I don't know, we could have easily been mad at each other or one of us, you know, I could have been like, screw this, I'm not 
cleaning anything up in mm-hmm. a different world. And yeah, that would not have gone well. It was a teamwork high point. I don't yeah. necessarily know if it was a relationship high point overall of all time, but from a like teamwork handling things together, having each other's backs, it mm. felt really good. And I think that that's something that we have had to continue working on. I mean, we did a whole podcast. I think our first or second podcast episode was about our relationship and, you know, the parallels to dog ownership, all of those things. Fostering has definitely brought even more of that to light, made it even more important to think about. Yeah, I think we also are doing a good job of holding each other accountable for our emotions and staying like on top and in check with ourselves. You can call it like it is. You can say that you're doing a good job holding (laughs) me accountable because you are just killing it and you have not needed me to reel you back in at any point. (laughs) (laughs) I have needed you to reel me back in though, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess it might be less visible with me, but maybe I'm on more of a rubber band while you're on a fishing rod (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but I guess you want to talk at all about that emotional process and regulation that you've been working on yeah I think my two main goals for this episode were one to just talk about the fact that it's been really hard, and I, I feel like there's value in being honest about that. Whenever someone has shared one of their really difficult experiences with me, it's felt really validating to know that like I'm not alone in these things being difficult. And again, it doesn't mean that I'm bad or that I'm failing. I think that there's just value in talking about that. And then the other one is to actually address like some of the sort of practical ways that we try to deal with these things, because I'm really proud of how we've handled it. But it... it it's not like handling it in a way I'm proud of has been easy. It's taken some conscious effort and work that we put into our relationship over time. And then also some sort of like in the moment this week strategies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm a big emotional roller coaster person a little bit more than you. We were even just talking about this earlier this morning. It's really important for me to try to acknowledge when I'm starting to feel a certain emotion and when it starts getting intense and being able to name it and then sort of have a couple of go-to strategies that I can do, um, sometimes easier than others, especially, you know, depending on what is actually going on with the dogs. Like one of the things that is great for me is cleaning something small, taking a quick shower, like some of these practical things that just make me feel a little bit more in charge of my space and in charge of my care. Not necessarily always possible when Mystic has just had diarrhea all over her crate and I have to clean it up. But there are other things, you know, like just acknowledging I'm starting to feel really angry. She's not going to get any dirtier if I take 30 seconds to go breathe for a minute or do some sort of stretching. I feel like these sound like sort of weak Hmm. strategies. um, And I'm sure it's different for every person. But I guess just trying to be more aware of how I'm feeling and like acknowledge the emotion and choose a different response to the emotion before I've acted in a way that I'm not happy with. Mm -hmm. It used to be a lot easier for me to just fly off the handle. And I did lose my temper with Mystic once. I'm not proud of it. And I, I got annoyed with her and it wasn't her fault. And she did not care at all and just licked my face because she's the sweetest dog in the world and is not sensitive to tone of voice at all. Um, So, you know, like also showing myself grace and accepting that I'm human. But as much as possible, I've tried to be aware of how I'm feeling, try to think of little things that I can do in the moment to help alleviate those feelings, and then communicate to you how I'm feeling so that we can provide each other support. Those are all real things. They're not weak things. I think they just, sometimes they sound a little simple, which a lot (laughs) of it is, quite frankly, simple. Especially once you get good at it, I think. Like, even yeah. for me, like, her barking and stuff grates on me, and I can feel myself get frustrated, and part of me is like, wow, I really want to go yell at this dog. But I have a pretty, like, aggressive internal process of checking that and 
staying calm and it's really doesn't take me like I don't have to go walk away for a couple minutes it's more of like I just need to refocus for a couple seconds and then you know not go yell at her and have some big classic guy angry outburst yeah I've never (laughs) seen you have one of those sorts of outbursts mm -hmm. not once but it's you know it is it sounds simple but it's like all sort of like fundamentals of just you know, stand on top of yourself. Yeah. I think that, you know, the reason that as I said that out loud, it maybe felt a little weak to me is that I really hate when someone expresses that they're struggling and someone else tells them like, just breathe deeply, just calm down. Like that'll fix everything. And that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Like it has not been that simple, but those have been parts of the process in conjunction with all of the other parts and all of the other work that I've done individually and that we've done together Mm. over the years and you know again all that said to reiterate like I did still lose my temper with the dog once like it's not like this has been perfect week in the young Thompson household (laughs) yeah I think like you said a lot of that is practice that like in the moment it's tough to execute how you want to unless you've already sort of built the habit up which it can be very frustrating if you're not especially good at what you're trying to you know, do, whatever calm or whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of the advice isn't especially good in the moment, but <clears throat> it is a lot of valuable stuff. Like same thing with our relationship, just having practiced like that you can you know, talk to me about these things or that both of us can you know, just talk about how we're doing as we go along rather than like letting it build up and then one of us has an outburst or a big frustration with the other person you know that sort of habit of constantly being in check with each other definitely just helps a ton yeah that's been absolutely huge and knowing that we can trust each other and that we're not blaming each other I think has been huge like it's been difficult for me off and on as we fostered I know that you haven't felt this way but sometimes I've started to feel guilty because I'm definitely the one who has wanted to foster Mm. like we wouldn't have mystic in our house right now if you know I was the driving force there for sure and it's easy to internalize some guilt sometimes and be like oh like Sean is cleaning poop out of our washing machine he must hate me right now like he must be blaming me because I'm the one who set off this chain of events in the first place and the fact that I've been able to practice more and more in our relationship which is much healthier than my previous relationship where that guilt would have been you know reinforced um the the fact that I've been able to practice that has been really huge because I'm able to snap myself out of it a little bit more quickly and to know that you don't feel that way and you're able to give me the validation and affirmation I need that we're in this together. No, you don't hate me. And then also like being able to laugh about things without undermining how much they suck is a balance that I'm coming to get better at. I still struggle with it sometimes, but I have found that so helpful. Like I don't want to make light of the struggles because minimizing them in my own head can just make everything feel worse actually like Mm -hmm. I need to acknowledge that it's hard and that it sucks but there's a balance of okay this sucks and like this just feels like the most difficult thing in the world right now and also it's kind of hilarious and I'm gonna laugh about it I'm gonna lean into the humor so that I can get through the moment but I'm going to lean into that humor in a way that doesn't minimize like the actual impact of what I'm feeling and what's going on. I don't really know how to eloquently verbalize what that process is like in my brain, but I I feel like I kind of go by feel and I'm getting better at it, which Mm -hmm. is exciting because that's really helpful. Like making jokes about, you know, the, the bad puns about how Mystic put us in a shitty situation yesterday. That was nonsense. But it really helped me. Like, it did. (laughs) A lot of that humor is built on trust, too. That, you know, you can trust yourself that you're actually, you know, how you're feeling it. And then, you know, we can trust each other that neither one of us is minimizing it just because we're making a joke about it. Yeah. But, yeah, it can be a coping thing or it can just be like, wow, this is so absurd. 
Like, look at this crazy thing going on. It is so absurd. I have a list of things that have happened in the past week that if I approach it with the right mindset and just, you know, talk about how strange and funny they are, like, it can be kind of hilarious. This puppy is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also sad. I I was having a bit of a hard time looking at her broken leg and imagining her with this broken leg and how much it must hurt as we're wrapping it up in a splint and stuff. It's horrible. Dang, man. Yeah. But I feel like trying to find a place where we can honor all sides of those feelings. Like, you know, sometimes the if we don't laugh, we'll cry quote is pretty real. Sometimes it's just kind of a coping thing. Like, I'm going to choose to laugh at the absurdity of this situation right now because it sucks. But then also being able and willing to sit with the sadness and, you know, the anger that I've felt at her adopters i don't know the full story but i've had i've really had to try to process that anger and not hold on to a lot of judgment and things that aren't Mm -hmm. productive for anyone and then you know just the mystic snuggling into me on the couch after we bathed her and splinted her and forced her to wear a cone and she clearly hated all of the things we just did to her and now 20 seconds later she's still like hello friend i'll be so sweet and snuggly and i know that she's in pain and like those moments can just bring me to tears like sometimes i just want a ball looking at her she's this sweet delightful puppy just in this ridiculously unfair situation and i think maybe the point i'm trying to make is that it is messy like i feel a lot of messy things and what has been healthiest for me this week and i think what's helped me feel better this morning than i have felt any of the previous days is really trying to embrace the full spectrum of that mess and not judge what i'm feeling and not think that I should be feeling something differently and kind of, you know how they talk about like that if you're going to be in a collision, if you can have your muscles be loose, like if you don't, <laughs> if you don't brace for it, it's easier. I feel like that's a little bit what I've been trying to do emotionally, where if I get it in my head that I should be feeling one emotion and I'm tensing up and I'm trying to steer my emotions in one direction, it hurts way worse when I'm still overcome by the other emotion. And so I'm trying to practice a level of like emotional limpness where I'm just rolling with where it's taking me. I'm trying to be self-aware, communicating with you, but I'm also not, you know, like trying to force myself to fit a very specific mold moment to moment. Does that make any sense? Does that analogy work? You missed the perfect opportunity to use a Florida beach analogy of rip currents oh, to yeah. say that you shouldn't try to swim against the current. <laughs> yeah, don't The way swim. to get out through the rip current is to let it carry you off to the side, but your analogy works too. I like the Florida analogy. Sean is becoming <laughs> Florida man. Keep watch for the headlines featuring mm-hmm. him. Yeah. You want to talk a bit more about like practical strategies that we've been using? Like actually the actions we're taking Yes. with our foster dog yes we should talk about that at least a little bit that could be a whole novel in and of itself (laughs) um so yeah we've talked a lot about our own emotional processes some of that is more like tangible than other parts of it sometimes it is like you said more of just a refocusing trying to be present relying on the practice we've done in the past other times it's very much like hey, Sean, you're on dog duty for three minutes, so I can go pee in peace and, like, get my head right. (laughs) Sometimes it looks like a whole bunch of different things. And then in terms of actually, like, interacting with Mystic and trying to set her up for success. Mm -hmm. Blows me away how much it pays off to to be able to predict her and to be proactive with that. It's, I think, the same thing with Scout, too. But, like, in terms of, like when we can put her in the crate and you know she's actually likely to be calm enough to chill out and like you know when we need to take her to the bathroom and like getting to know her and then being proactive about planning you know what we do so that we can make the next two hours or whatever chunk of time work out i think is something i've started to learn with these foster dogs Like, I'm getting to know, you know, when we need to put the cone on her and, you know, when we should give her her meds so that, you know, she's properly having her pain managed while we redo her splint or... Yeah. Like, a lot of these things that really help 
make it more you know smoother and you know how can like you always talk about how can we give our dogs fulfillment before we then go ask them to chill out for a while and stuff like that yeah which has been one of the most difficult things for me with mystic is that fulfillment is such a massive part of my dog training philosophy and i just feel like it's so difficult to fulfill her in meaningful ways right now and so trying to think about the things that we can do and focus on those like you said she's very very socially inclined she gets a lot out of just hanging out with us and you know like trying to capitalize on that and do all of these things so that when we ask her to hang in inside her crate it's not like she feels totally overwhelmed that she's been isolated for hours and hours and hours because that Mm -hmm. makes it so much harder so like how can we make sure that you know that we like you and we're so happy to hang out with you and give you the fulfillment that we can give you before we ask you to do this thing that we know is challenging. That's huge. It's way easier with Scout because Scout has like, I don't know, there are 25 things I could probably list right off the top of my head that can give Scout a good dose of fulfillment before we ask her to handle something hard. Mm -hmm. And Mystic, of course, can't play, is a pretty picky eater. (laughs) All of these things make it difficult. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that prediction is huge. Even like The little strategies that we've started to figure out, like when we're trying to get her to use the bathroom, it's helpful if we keep her moving instead of standing stationary, and that differs from dog to dog sometimes, and like those little things that we've been able, I don't know, it can have a big impact. Like the difference in my mental frustration state, if a bathroom break with Mystic is even like five minutes versus Hmm. 10 or versus 15, it it can have an outsized impact, I think, on how I'm feeling about how in control and like how well we're handling everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The first day or two felt like I was just being reactive to like, you know, Mystic needs something. And once we're finished with her, Scout needs something. Then you need something. (laughs) Then we're back to Mystic. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, Mystic's been yelling the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's just like really tough. Whereas like now if I want an hour to spend with you, you know, I know that we need to, you know, have Mystic all set. Can't have her like hyped up right before we put her in her crate or something. It needs to be fed and in the old, more low energy state so that she's not making a bunch of noise in her crate. And freaking scout out or just having both of us just like slightly on edge and all that kind of stuff i think we're getting more in a a groove now absolutely and yeah a huge part of that like you said it just kind of comes from getting to know her like on monday it would have been impossible to know some of the things that we know now and that we've figured out i also think that asking for help even like externally has been really important i don't know how much worse things would be going today if I hadn't set up that extra appointment with the shelter vet and if they hadn't given us the better fitting splint and the better fitting cone and the extra sedative. Like she was already on a pain medication and a mild sedative and they were so great at listening to us and giving us more. And I think that that was really important. Like I hesitated on Monday to do that because I didn't want them to think that I didn't know what I was doing Hmm. and like that I couldn't handle it. And they were just completely validating and affirming and, you know, so assuring that that was the right thing. And I think that was a very practical step that was important. Like when I think about being overwhelmed with dog stuff, sometimes it is easy to feel like it's all on our shoulders and, you know, we should be able to handle this, whatever, but sometimes getting help whatever form that takes you know like in this case it definitely took the form of a mild sedative that some people have it in their heads you know if you're good enough at training you never need medication or whatever but like oh my goodness I don't know if I've ever been more thankful for a drug (laughs) in my life I think it's helped her feel better which has helped all of us feel better and you know it's important to be responsible with any of these decisions it's not like I'm going to the vet and I'm being like drug the dog up so she can't move like yeah you know there, there's a balance here like all things um but asking for that help like just getting her in the car and taking her to the shelter vet and saying yo we need some support was a really important move mm-hmm. yeah i think it's coming along well I'm definitely enjoying hanging out with her she likes just 
sleep on the couch, apparently, with us here. That's, like, the only time that she'll completely calm down. And she's very sweet. She's so sweet. She really wants to play with us. Oh my gosh, she's so playful. It hurts me that we can't really tap into that. Mm-hmm. She's a fun dog. And, like, for what she's been through... You know, at the risk of being one of those people who overly romanticizes the resilience of dogs, like, she really is incredible. I mean, her initial, initial start to life was not great. Then we fostered her with Arlo, tried to set her up for success, tried to get her out in the world some, help her feel safe, all of that. We don't know exactly what things were like with her adopter, but then she ended up being found as a stray, alone, with a broken leg, had to be in the shelter for a while. She's had all sorts of people poking and prodding her and handling mm-hmm. her in certain ways. And, like, she is just so accepting and forgiving. Like you said, like, it does not feel good for her when we put the splint on. We do our best to be gentle and thoughtful about how we're maneuvering her body. But, like, nothing about that is fun for her. Nothing about cleaning the poop off of her is fun for her. Like, all of these things just... They really do suck. And she just has the sweetest spirit. Like, she is just so willing to love us. Yeah. She's very tough physically, it turns out. Which, I guess, a lot of dogs, I think, are tougher than I would expect. Which is pretty cool. But then she... Her disposition is, like, whenever something, like, confrontational happens, she tries to respond to it by being sweet and like getting you to like her is sort of I feel like that's her like sort of like a defense mechanism but it's also just how she wants to go about her life which you know so if we put her through something tough because we need to for medical or whatever you know she comes back with us with all right well I'm just gonna double down on being a good friend (laughs) rather than like I'm sick of this I'm gonna start getting defensive or feel like I need to protect myself and keep everyone else away or something like that definitely it's a great trait and i like to think that you know we've also tried to be intentional about meeting her in kind and making sure that we aren't putting her through anything unnecessary if we can avoid it Um, Mm -hmm. but it is so sweet it's a jay jack talks about how the you know you talk about fight or flight he -hmm. talks about it's how it's fight flight freeze which often happens like right before fight or flight and then friend Mm -hmm. which is like that sort of appeasement behavior and sometimes the appeasement behavior is hard to watch because you know sometimes you'll see a dog offer it when they're feeling very 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 overwhelmed and they're very conflicted and that's difficult and i'm really happy thus far that you know there definitely are some elements of stress for it for mystic i'm not trying to paint too rosy of a picture but by and large it, it almost seems less like straight appeasement to me and more just like, okay, it's over, we're fine, like we're friends. Definitely. Which is really, really great because this poor dog has been through so much mm-hmm. and we've had to put her through so much and I just really want her to think that, you know, we're still her friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she feels that. Like I was saying before, we've set up the environment here so that she is all the space emotionally and resource wise to feel like she's all right she's in good hands you know she doesn't feel constrained outside of the very particular situations where i'm chasing her down with a cone or something so you know i think that's been one of the most important steps we've taken is to you know make sure that we're respectful in how we interact especially when we don't know her as well yeah. And, you know, we give her her space over there. We feed her, give her water, all that stuff. But then, you know, socially, we're very open and, you know, just basically have prepared ourselves to be her friends if that's what she's willing to offer. And turns out she's all in. Yeah, we sure try. I think there are several ideas in there that I could go off on tangents about, but instead we can we can wrap up. Maybe we'll do further episodes on them, but just real quick, like the idea that the it, if you have to deprive a creature in one way, the idea that not depriving them in other ways can really, really help has been huge for me. That was huge with Val. Like, you know, when we have a foster dog on crate rest, they have to be in their crate a lot. They just do. Like, even if we tether Mystic, she is still running around and trying to use that leg. 
And so there's no way around the fact that this puppy has to spend more time in a crate than I wish she did. But we can try to give her as much time out of the crate as possible within the constraints to try to minimize the sense of like overwhelm that mm-hmm. she's been isolated for so long. Or, you know, we can think about more specific parts of that equation, like the social distance and try to limit how distant she feels from us so that when we do ask her to feel that way, it's a little bit easier. That's like why Scout gets to chase squirrels sometimes because it's easier for her to ignore them in some situations or, you know, have the impulse control to not chase if in other moments she does get to chase them. And I just think that there's a lot to be said also about trying to build genuine friendships with our dogs. We've talked about this off and on. It's become a huge part of my philosophy, but like this idea that what we focused on most with Mystic is exactly what you said, trying to make her feel safe and trying to be her friend. And we're not, you know, controlling all of her resources or trying to use a bunch of things for leverage. Like we're accepting that the situation sucks and we're doing our best as social creatures to another social creature. And, you know, again, sometimes that sounds overly romanticized. We have a whole podcast episode about trying to strike the balance <laughs> of, of this romanticization, right. but there's a ton of merit to it. <laughs> yeah. And then the balance is, and we're also firm about what needs to happen. You know, like I was saying before, medically or just with the rules of the house. She doesn't get to go smash all our stuff. Yep, yep. I will not ask you to do a bunch of unnecessary stuff just because. But when I ask you to do something, you need to do it. That's sort of the... Um, that's another J. Jack quote or a paraphrased J. Jack quote that has made its way into being a key part of my philosophy, both with Scout and with any other dog we've had. Like, I'm not going to be a jerk to you unnecessarily. I'm not going to wield power or control over you in like unnecessary ways. But yeah, when something needs to happen, we're, we're going to make it happen and there are boundaries in place. But hopefully what we feel most is that sense of friendship and security. All right, Mystic. She's a good girl. Good luck out there. She was quiet, mostly. Yep, we had to pause recording once. Sean's going to do a tiny bit of editing magic to get the crate noises and the whining out of it, but we've done it. All righty. <laughs>